Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day, Bible truth listeners. I am Dr. Kamala D. I welcome each and every one of you, and I want to thank each of you for tuning in today. Now, we are embarking on a new episode entitled Paul's Letter to the Ephesians. Now, the Ephesians were pagan worshipers who had converted over to Christianity as a result of hearing the gospel preached to them by Paul. Now, the letter to the Ephesians, I think, is very unique. It is a letter of encouragement. It is a spiritual letter. Uh, So I ask that you put on your spiritual hats to listen to this so that you can follow Make sure you pray and ask God for understanding because it is very spiritual. It is a letter of correction. Uh, It is a letter to um, continue to encourage people to stay with God's salvation plan. Each time Paul wrote a letter to his churches, the churches that he set up, uh, which were churches that consisted of uh, Gentiles who were pagan worshipers. And so someone would contact Paul and tell him what was going on in the church or they felt uncomfortable about about some things. And Paul would send a letter to address those concerns. So the letter to the Ephesians have six chapters. We are going to cover all six chapters, hopefully today. And I am reading from the New King James Version of the Bible today. It doesn't matter which version you have. Uh, I can assure you, we will end up in the same place. So without further delay, go to Ephesians chapter 1, and I am reading beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, meaning God chose him personally to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, To the saints who are in Ephesus. He is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesians in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is distinguishing between two things, the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ. Mm, So that means we have some faithful saints and we have some that are not so faithful. And I just talked about why Paul wrote letters to get people back on track. Verse two, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse four, just as he chose us in him, that him is Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. Before him who? God in love. Now, let me clarify this 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. A lot of people are confused about this because they are trying to understand it with their carnal mind. And this is spiritual. Now, some people mistake this verse for God already chose or predestined a certain group of people to be saved. That's not true. You should know that's not true because we are told to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Those who believe shall be saved and those who don't believe, you know, will be condemned. So when he says he chose us in him, meaning those who are in Christ, he chose before the foundation of the world. Those who are in Christ, okay, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, without blame before him, God in love. Now, it is those who are in Christ, he chose to be holy and without blame. Okay, now verse five, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now we are talking about God. Okay, you have to remember, we have God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit who have different functions, but they are still one God. Okay, one God, one Lord, one baptism. And we got Ephesians is going to talk about this. Uh, verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus. In him, verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, whose blood? Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, his grace is Jesus. Okay. Verse eight, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now, the mystery of God's will is that Christ would die for the sins of the entire world. That's the mystery. And everyone who comes to him because the ground is leveled. To where anyone can come to Christ and be saved and have forgiveness of sins. That's the mystery. Latter part of verse uh, 9 again. His good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the times. He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him who Christ. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now we are talking about God. Uh, verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Of who glory? God's glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted. In him that him is Christ. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, we all know that the Holy Spirit is also a gift. When it says you were sealed, uh, it is seen by some as referring to justification. But that term is not used here. And, and the emphasis is different. Justification brings acceptance. Sealing brings authority. You can also read John chapter three, verse 33 and 34. This, this verse therefore may refer to acts 
chapter 19, verse 1 through 6, where the Ephesians who had already believed received the fullness of the Holy Spirit after Paul taught and ministered to them. Okay. Uh, now let's move to verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. That seal is very important. Very important. I'm sorry. That seal is to, is a stamp that seal of the Holy spirit, which is, 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 is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy spirit is a guarantee of our salvation. And those who don't have it is not saved. Okay. Those who do not have that seal in their hearts are not saved. And the only way you can get that seal is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and the works he did on that cross for the forgiveness of your sins, uh, his death, burial and resurrection for the salvation of your eternal life. That that's what this seal is. It, it represents. Okay. Uh, verse 14 again, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Who is what the, that seal from by the Holy spirit until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory, the redemption, that seal is going to be on our hearts until we are redeemed. Okay. Until the end of the world, even after we, we, we pass away. Now I don't want to get too, too spiritual because that part is not in Ephesians. It's just that I know, uh, uh, God's will and, and his redemption plan. And sometimes I'll imp implement it in, in one of these episodes, but I want to stay on track. We have six chapters to read verse 15. Therefore, I, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you. Give thanks to God for you, for the Ephesians making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you, give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We can always ask God for wisdom to understand his word. God's word is progressive revelation because we know in part and, and, um, we, we receive in part. So everyone is not given revelation all at once, even including me. I will not teach on something I don't have the revelation of. And God doesn't give me revelation all the time, um, in, in one lump. It doesn't matter how many times I've read this Bible. It's some stuff I'll read and don't get it yet. And God will lead me somewhere else and tell me to stick with this. And then he'll give me revelation to those other uh, letters or, or scriptures or documentation that the prophets of old wrote. And that includes Ephesians. At one time, I didn't know what Ephesians meant. I know now. I know now. And there is no uh, private interpretation of scriptures. If God is speaking to me, he should be uh, telling me this revelation. He should be sharing this same revelation with other ministers of the gospel. It should be no difference. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling is Jesus. Oh yes. Jesus is the hope of glory. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, let me try to elaborate on this a little bit more. Now, eyes of your understanding being enlightened, because this is very important, literally means that your heart may receive the brightness of hope resulting when the wealth of God's investment in you is understood. 
Okay. And verse 19 talks about according to, uh, uh, um, according to occurs repeatedly and means in the same measure as, or to the exact degree. Now let's pick up at verse, uh, 20. Okay. Even though I just explained to you what verse 19 meant, let's go to verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now this is where I talk about, uh, the spiritual spot. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the spiritual part. Let me try to slow down because y'all already know I, I, uh, by nature talk fast and it's hard for me to slow down because this is the way I usually talk real fast. So let me slow down a, li a little bit. Heavenly places. I told you this, a uh, lot of Ephesians is, is, uh, the letter to the Ephesians is spiritual. It does not refer to heaven in the sense of its being the destined, uh, home of the redeemed. Rather, the Greek word here refers to the invisible realm that surrounds our present daily situation, the arena or, or sphere of spiritual action and activity. Christ's authority, which encompasses every age and exceeds every known power is here and now. Also, you can uh, read, we're going to get to chapter three verses. Um, no, this is what, this is what we just read in verse three. Okay. And I don't want to go back there cause we in verse 20, but you can also, we're going to pick up on it in chapter two, verse six, and then, uh, chapter three, verse 10, and then chapter six, verse 12. But we covered that in verse three. Okay. Now the spirituality of verse one, uh, 20 is that Christ is seated at God's right hand. Okay. And we are in Christ. Those who, who have, who carry the seal, we are spiritually in Christ. And for those of you who are struggling to, to understand that mean you are trying to understand this with your carnal mind. And this is not carnal. This is spiritual. You have to think about this. Close your eyes. When you accepted Christ as Lord and savior, you were automatically put in Christ and seated with him at the right hand of God. That is powerful. That is powerful. Let's read verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now verse 21, far above all principality, meaning Christ is far, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. That is where Christ is. No one is on the level of Christ. No one, not Buddha, not Mohammed, definitely not Mohammed, not Confucius, not Gandhi. Nobody is on the level of Christ. And this is very clear far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in, in that which is to come. No one can touch Christ. No one. Okay. No one is on the same level. Uh, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, under whose feet? Christ's feet and gave him to, to be head over all things to the church. The church is the body of Christ. Those who accept Christ belong to God through Christ. Okay. And everything else is under his feet, under Jesus's feet. 
and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, the body of Christ. Okay, understand that. Not the pastor, not the teacher, not the evangelist, not the prophet, not the apostle. We don't have any more apostles today, and we're going to get to that too. Y'all already know where I stand on that, and uh, scripture supports what I say. So those who are calling themselves apostles today, uh, my question remains the same. Which apostle did you replace? Okay. Um, verse 23, which is his body, the, full, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of Christ who fills all in all. In all. Those who, are, who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are in his body. Okay, remember I told you it's spiritual. This section is spiritual. Now let's go to chapter 2. Uh, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. What this means is, before we accepted Christ Jesus, and that apl this applies to everybody today, and, and, and those who have not accepted Christ are still dead. Meaning that we were spiritually dead. To mean to be spiritually dead means to be spiritually disconnected from God. Those who are outside of Christ are not connected to God in any way, shape, or form. And you, verse 1 again, he made alive. We were made alive in Christ. We are spiritually alive in, in the Lord Jesus Christ only. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Praise God for his grace. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross for me. Verse two, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, meaning we used to follow Jesus. The prince of the power of the air is, is, is uh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake and said um, we used to follow Jesus. No, we used to follow Satan. That is what this is talking about. The prince of the power of the air is the devil. Okay, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Those are the children of the devil who are also known as uh, children of um, not just disobedience, but I forgot. I forgot when it, when it crosses my mind again, I will bring it back to your attention. Um, perdition, children of perdition. I'm sorry. I got so much stuff going on through my head. Um, the children of perdition is also uh, an alias for the children of the devil. If, and we have two, two sets of people. On this planet, saints, either you are a child of God or you are a child of the devil. It's as simple as that. You are a child of God or you are a child of the devil. Um, verse three, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others we used to be just like them but we are not supposed to be like them anymore anyone who is in christ anyone who is now a child of god through the adoption agency of the lord jesus christ should not be walking like the children of disobedience today okay it's a lot of stuff you're not going to want to hear but look at the end of the day either you are a child of god or you are a child of perdition it's as simple as that. Uh, verse four, but God who is rich in mercy, praise the Lord because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse five, even when we were dead in trespasses, when we were spiritually disconnected from him, that's how much God loved us and still loves us, made us alive together with Christ by grace. 
you have been saved. Verse six, and raised us up together and made us sit together. And I talked about this early on in chapter one and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and was sealed with that Holy Spirit, God placed us in Christ. And right now we are spiritually in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I feel like getting up, running around, tearing up the house in joy, in joy. Praise the Lord. Verse seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Everything centers around Jesus. As you guys can see, verse eight, this is very important. Remember, uh, Paul never wavered. None of the apostles ever wavered from God's redemption plan. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. That faith is in Christ and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse nine, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right here is very, very important. You can't save yourself. That is what verse nine is talking about. Paul is telling the, the Ephesians in case they feel like changing and doing and, and relying their their redemption or their salvation salvation on their good works. Paul is saying you ain't saved by that. So it doesn't matter how nice you are. You still can't save yourself. Your faith must be in Jesus Christ. Verse eight again, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift is free. You don't have to pay for a gift. All you have to do is pick it up. All you have to do is receive it. it. This gift is available to everybody on this planet, no matter what country you live in, no matter what ethnic orientation you are from, no matter your skin color. The ground is leveled to where any man on this planet can be saved by God's gift. Okay, and that gift is Jesus. That grace is Jesus. Grace is a person. That grace is Jesus. God gave us Jesus. It's free. All we have to do is pick him up. All we have to do is accept him. And it said, now pay, pay, pay close attention to this. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't work to be saved. You can't. That's why he said, lest, you can't brag on this, lest anyone should boast. You can't brag on your good works because you can't save yourself. It's because we are saved, we should do good works. But we are not saved because we do good works. Okay. And I'm, I want to make sure that it's clear because people misunderstand this thinking that if they do good deeds, they can be saved. I have a friend uh, who I've been knowing over 40 years told me that they don't believe in, in, in none of the religion. I told him Christ is not a religion. He died to, to take you from religion. Well, I just believe if I just be a good person and treat people well, you know, I'll go to heaven. And I said, and you're going to go straight to hell. Now it hurt my heart to tell my friend that because this is written. Because you are hearing all these different teachings and all these different denominations that man set up. God didn't set up denominations. If you can find one denomination in this Bible, I'll follow it. I'll follow it. Jesus Christ is not a denomination. Man has perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ and trying to put him on the same level of all these other religious leaders. Oh, honey, Christ is far above that far above religion and far above religious leaders that you heard of or heard about. And so we need to understand that verse eight again, before we move on verse eight and nine for by grace, you have been saved through faith. That faith is in Christ and that not of yourselves, meaning you can't save yourself. It is the gift of God. Verse nine, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, 
for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, once we are saved, we ought to do good works and not to remain saved. Okay. Cause you know, they even have teachings out there. You know, once you say, you got to stay saved, what we are sealed until the day of redemption and man can't break that seal. In the book of John, Jesus says, man cannot pluck you out of my hand and he cannot pluck you out of my father's hand. So no man can unsave you. And those are encouraging words for you today. Verse 10 again, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, meaning we should walk in good works after salvation. That's very important. Verse 11, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Now this here, you have to remember anyone who was not a Jew was called uncircumcised or either a, a member of the uncircumcision. And anyone who was called circumcised were Jews and circumcision where it says in the flesh by hands was the cutting of the foreskin, cutting off of the foreskin of the male penis when he made eight days old. Now, if there was a Gentile as an adult who wanted to become a proselyte, um, he would have, he would be circumcised as an adult, meaning cutting his foreskin off his penis. This was made in the flesh by hands. Man did this. Okay. That was a part of the covenant God made with Abraham and it was passed down to Moses. Okay, in that covenant to give to the children of Israel. We are not under that. We were never of that, a, a part of that covenant as a Gentile. And, and Ephesians makes this clear, which is why this is why I chose this letter to read, because there are a lot of misconceptions out here about the law and all that. And I taught about that in Galatians, the, diff, the letter to the Galatians, the difference between the law and grace. And we are saved under grace, buddy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, we are no longer Gentiles. We are now a child of God who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, that at the time you were without Christ, we were being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the commonwealth of the Jews of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, we, this is, this, this is clear. Those who were Gentiles were spiritually cut off from God because we were not Jews and the covenant was not for us. So we were never under the law. We were never under the 10 commandments. We were never under the law. I don't know why people today in certain denominations want to become a Jew. Let me tell you today, Jews want to become Christians. <laughs> okay. We are in Christ. We don't need the Jews. Now, I made that statement. We, we are in Christ. Don't need the Jews, but uh, listen to, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I have some very important scriptures coming up. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off talking about us have been brought near by the blood of Christ, meaning salvation was made available to us by what Christ did on the cross. Remember we are saved by grace. It is a gift of God. All we have to do is pick up the gift. That's all we have to do. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, praise God for that, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Here we go. The enmity was the, was the law. 
the laws that was the covenant that, that an angel gave to Moses. It was, it's called the Mosaic covenant or the Mosaic laws, um, to give to the children of Israel. That was the enemy that was separating Gentiles from Jews. Y'all need to understand that. That is the law, okay, of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. That's what salvation saved by grace does. It brings Jews and Gentiles together, creating one people for God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my God. Something went through me when I said that. Let me say that again. Let me read this again. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. God, through his grace, brought Jews and Gentiles together to create one people for himself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because we once were afar off. We're not Jews. A lot of people hate the fact that Jews were God's chosen people initially, but that doesn't exist today. They are not God's chosen people today. Those who are in Christ are God's chosen people. I don't care what you read. I don't care what somebody telling you saying this is the truth. No, watch out for the word truth. The question you should have for them is whose truth are you talking about? Because the Bible, a lot of people take scriptures from the Bible and build a whole denomination around it or a whole religion around it. There is not one religion today that don't have some of the teachings in the Bible in their religion. So why are you stealing from the Bible? Because the entire Bible consists about uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. God's redemption plan all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So you can't pervert the gospel to me because I know the word. And my job is to share the word of God with his people. Uh, verse 16. And that he might reconcile them both, Jews and Gentiles, to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. The enmity was the law. Didn't we just read the law? Didn't we just read that the enemy uh, was the law? Uh, in verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, meaning to the Gentiles who were afar off and to the Jews who were near. Peace. There's no more division. We are all one in Christ. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. The father is God through him who Jesus, through Jesus, we both have access to one spirit to the father. We have access through that one spirit is the Holy Spirit to the father, to father God. There is no more barriers. The laws are not in place anymore. The Gentiles were never under the law, but the, the Jews don't have to follow the laws anymore either. They still struggling with it. Okay. Uh, verse 19. Now, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners talking about us. He's talking to the Ephesians who were, who were Gentiles before they be became Christians, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles, and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone 
in the body of Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. And this is not talking about a physical building. Meaning the church, the body of Christ is built on Jesus. That's what this is talking about. Verse 21 in whom the whole building, and we're not talking about a physical building. We're talking about the body of Christ being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We are the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit res resides. That's why we can grieve the Holy Spirit if we do wrong. You know that conviction you feel in your heart if you do or say something wrong? That's that Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's that Holy Spirit. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now we are embarking on chapter 3. Verse 1, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for you Gentiles. Thank you, Jesus. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace, of, 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 of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, the gospel to preach to the Gentiles. Remember when Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus to go and persecute Christians, arrest them, possibly kill some of them, throw, throw the uh, ones he was able to catch in prison. Paul was chosen to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, verse three. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. He already talked about it. the mystery is that Gentiles can be saved too. everyone who comes to Christ. He died on that cross for every human being on this planet. Those in the past, those today and those in the future. That's who that's the mystery of the gospel. That anyone can come because the ground is leveled now. It's not directed to Jews anymore. Salvation is offered to every man who accepts Christ. Praise you, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's read. Uh, let me see. I lost my spot. Let me do um, verse three again. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Verse four, by which you. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul, look, Paul's hope is that we understand. I got it, Paul. That's why I'm preaching it. That's why I'm teaching it. I get it. The mystery is in Christ. Uh, verse five, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. They didn't know about Jesus uh, as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, because we were once cut off. We were never given the laws of Moses. We were spiritually dead. We were foreigners. OK, because the Jews were initially God's chosen people, but they rejected God so much and disobeyed so much. God said, you know what? The gospel is going to be preached to the Gentiles as well. I have to open salvation up to every man, all of my creation. And just because we are God's creation doesn't mean we are God's children. We have to be um, become sons of God through the adoption agency of Jesus Christ. And I've read that in Galatians and Ephesians and and in the book of Acts when we toured the entire book of Acts. Verse seven, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verse eight, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints. Now, Paul is saying he is less than the least of all the saints because how he used to persecute the Christians. 
Okay. But God already forgave Paul, but that really bothered Paul. That's one of the reasons why Paul was so bold when he realized Jesus was real because he encountered him. <laughs> you see, Paul became a Christian and then an apostle, not by man, but through Jesus Christ himself after Jesus ascended on high. Okay. You tell me the power of God doesn't exist today. God personally chose him. So that's why he is referring to himself as the least of all the saints. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse nine. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which fellowship Jews and Greeks being together in one family. Okay. Which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Everything was created through Christ. See, this is spiritual again. Jesus Christ is the one in Genesis when God says, and let us make man in our image. That was Jesus talking, his son. Jesus always existed. And see, people are choosing to ignore that or just don't get it. But you got to remember, revelation is not given to non-believers. They are only given to believers in Christ. Revelation of these scriptures, okay, is given to believers in Christ. That's it. So a lot of people don't understand, but my responsibility as a teacher is to teach it in such a way where people are interested in learning more. And then God will search that heart. And if that person wants the truth, bingo, here comes the truth. And that revelation will hit them. And then all of a sudden they'll accept Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Lord, praise you, Jesus, the eternal purpose. We are given eternal life through Christ Jesus, and we can never be lost. No man can pluck you out of, of Jesus hand or God's hand. Jesus said, I and my father are one in, in, in the gospel according to John. I and my father are one. No man has the power or the authority to take you away from Christ. You can walk out of his hands and see me and one of my brothers in Christ had, had a little dispute about that. And I said, well, read, um, Hebrews. It's in Hebrews that you, those who were once enlightened, you know, it's, it's impossible to bring them back. There are five principles, and I don't want to um, digress right here about that, but I taught about that. You can go through my podcast and, and, and pick out any of those episodes and just listen and learn. Listen and learn. Uh, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with the confidence through faith in him. We now have access, boldness and access. That access where? To God. With confidence through faith in, in Jesus. Verse 13, therefore I ask that you do not lose heart. This is where he starts to encourage them at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. You have to remember, Paul was was often beaten for preaching the gospel by the unbelieving Jews and some Gentiles who who were influenced by the Jews. You know, you give people money, they do anything. We read in the book of Acts when we toured Acts, the uh, beginning of the church age, why the church has no power, how Paul was constantly beaten after he was converted by Jesus Christ to preach the gospel constantly. So, uh, illness. No, Paul was beaten physically. Cause you got to remember he was a healer. <laughs> People would bring their handkerchiefs to Paul 
where he would bless it and bring that handkerchief back. It's written took sick family members and they would touch and believe in faith in Jesus and be healed. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about God. Jesus gives us free access to God. Paul says, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Verse 16. That that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with, with might through his spirit in the inner man. We're talking about our recreation spirit. That's our inner man. Okay, not our flesh because our flesh is not saved. That's why we can uh, 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 contribute this or attribute this aging process to our flesh because the flesh is not saved, but our inner man is. Our inner man is being renewed day by day. So when Paul says be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, he's talking about our recreated spirit is to be strengthened through Christ. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and, gr and grounded in love. Remember, that's the mystery. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And we don't have to go to a confessional to talk to God. We have at free access to God directly because of Jesus. You don't have to go to no confessional. Um, verse 18 may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and length and depth of height? Verse 19 to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Oh, it surpasses all understanding which is written in the ESV and NIV, the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding right here in the new King James. It says uh, to the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now he's saying that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying that because we can before we couldn't, but now through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have full access to God and be filled with the knowledge. Oh, yes. With all the fullness of God. Oh, praise God. See, I get excited. See, when this word connects with my recreated spirit, I get, get excited and I start shouting, honey. Uh, verse 20. Now to him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus. The glory he's talking about to the Father God, the Godhead. God, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We have to walk worthy. This is where we get into holiness and how we need to walk as lights. Okay. Uh, verse two, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. With one another in love. With long suffering with one another in love. Treating other one another with compassion, dignity, and respect. Verse three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 
You got to remember when we receive salvation, we also received God's peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. That hope is the hope of glory. All the hope of glory is Jesus in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And it always baffles me when I'm talking to someone and they say, they find out I'm a minister or a teacher of the gospel. They will say, what faith are you? And I say, well, there's only one faith. So what faith are you talking about? That is how I respond to everyone who says that to me. And I encourage you to do the same because it is clear. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith and one baptism. One Lord. One faith, one baptism. Baptism is through the death, burial, and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That's one baptism. One, verse six, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's only one God, saints. I don't care what you are hearing out here. There's only one God. There's not a, a plethora of God. One God. Now, there, there's a plethora of little gods where people create with their hands or someone they love dearly died and they are worshiping that person. You know how you will hear family members or people on television or people, you know, say, well, so and so died. She looking down on you and watching over you. No, she ain't. No, he ain't. <laughs> and, and most of the time, the people you you know, that passed away, not not even saved. It's unfortunate, but you need to hear the truth. There is no sugarcoating on learning Bible truth. See, you can't learn the truth if I sugarcoat. Now, either you're saved or you're not. And religion can't save you and your good works can't save you because we are saved by grace. Through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Okay. And verse five, again, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse six, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay. Verse seven, but to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Now we have gifts that were distributed to the church to edify the church, build the church up to prepare the saints to go out for the work of the ministry. Uh, verse eight, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now I want to stop here for a second where he led captivity captive. In the original Greek, it says he he led captive captivity and gave gifts to men. Um, now, those who were captive, meaning the saints of old under the old covenant who died when Jesus rose. Yes, here we go spiritually. You got to understand this with a spiritual mind. Connect with your recreated spirit. When Jesus rose from the dead, he took all those saints with him. He led those who were captive captivity. Yes, and took him with him when he ascended. And it's actually written. And I don't, we don't need to digress and go there. We need to get through Ephesians. Um, but I promise you, I will share that with you. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Meaning he went to hell and fought the devil, took the keys. Keys back. You hear me? Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended for far above all the heavens that he might feel all things, all things written in scripture. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles. These are the gifts he gave to the church. Some to be apostles, which don't exist today. I want to make that clear. And I got scripture to back me up. 
um, some prophets. Now we're not talking about the prophets like in the old Testament who prophesied about things to happen. And then they happen as, as it relates to Jesus. We are talking about prophets who can prophesy current scripture like revelation. This, the prophets may who are, are given to the church may have, uh, the revelation of some scriptures that we don't. That's what we're talking about. Things that are always already written, not something new. Okay. Let me make that clear. Not something new. Uh, some prophets, some evangelists, which is what I am, uh, and some pastors and teachers. And I'm also a teacher. I was gifted to be an evangelist and a teacher and evangelists are, are those who travel all over and preach the gospel. That's what evangelists do. And teachers can rightly divide the scriptures to give you understanding. I was just, I'm honored, but I was blessed to be gifted with two, two of these gifts. Okay. Or blessed to be given two of these gifts. Um, verse 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. You are being equipped now by learning what the letter to the Ephesians mean. Okay. For the edifying of the body of Christ, meaning lifting up the body of Christ. Verse 13. Ooh, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of one faith. See what all these different denominations. I, I, I tell you, I don't, th I don't think that'll ever happen. And of the knowledge of the son of God, we have to come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. We, and, and what grace is to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You, we have to understand who Jesus is. We can't even get the body of Christ to, to agree on what the Holy spirit is and who is for. And acts is clear that the Holy spirit is a gift to not only, um, our children, but children to come, uh, those who are far off, who are us, the Gentiles. And to as many as the Lord, our God will call. What is there to misunderstand about that? The Holy Spirit is available today. Do you know they have some denominations that don't teach or even talk about the Holy Spirit? And that's why that church is dead inside. Nobody is being healed. No one is being edified. No one is being lifted up. You can't work and you have no power without the Holy Spirit. As simple as that. You have no power without the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Ah, that's what these denominations coming at by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, the trickery of men perverting the gospel, trying to get for personal greed, by the way, uh, convincing you that you have to keep getting money to please God. We haven't read that yet. We didn't read that in acts. We shared money to take care of one another, not to give the pastor to build a bigger church. I know of some, some bishops and pastors in the church. And you notice Bishop is, is not included uh, as a gift of the church, nor priest. I thought I'd share that right quick and bring that to your attention. Who, who took the church money and opened a restaurant, opened a bowling alley, opened a fitness center and charging all the church members to get in. Yes, I didn't stumble. I know this to be a fact. The trickery of men, the deceitful plotting. If you don't know this word, you don't have no understanding of this word, you can fall to that trickery. Learning Bible truth here. Learning Bible truth, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that him is Jesus, the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Uh, meaning we have different gifts. Everybody needs to work in their gifts, do their part so that the body can be edified. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk who were separated from God because of their, their sin. Okay. Their sinful lifestyle in the futility of their mind. Now, um, that's the word they use, but fertility just, just simply means pointless, pointlessness, you know, or uselessness of their mind. At verse 18, having their understanding darkened by false teaching, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts or either hardness of their hearts. Because if your heart is, is hardened, you ain't receiving nothing. You ain't going to receive the truth, but that's why the Gentiles were, were, um, were blind because of the hardness of their heart. They don't understand and they refuse to understand. And, and some Jews still don't understand and refuse to understand sticking with the laws. Every last one of them going to hell. Now God still has some promises he made to the Jews, but look, that's another teaching. But in the end, they still need Jesus because nobody can keep the law. Don't forget, Paul is a Jew. Peter is a Jew. Okay, James was a Jew. John was a Jew. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, if they got the mystery of God's word, which is Christ, saved by grace through faith, and that uh, Gentiles and Jews would be brought together through that grace, why are the other Jews not getting it? It's because of the hardness of their hearts. That's why. Why the Gentiles are not getting it is because of their pagan gods. They want to continue to worship something they created with their own hands. Images. Uh, the Ephesians used to worship the goddess Diana. They were um, pagan worshipers of the goddess, the princess goddess, Diana. And so when they heard the gospel, they converted over to Christianity because they wanted to worship a true God. What Paul in his gospel to the Ephesians was like, I, you, I know you love Diana. She's a goddess. Okay. But she ain't God. She's dead. <laughs> okay. And Ephesians are known. Remember in the book of Acts when they were saying, um, uh, praise Diana, the God of the Ephesians, the God of the Ephesians. That was in the book of Acts. Apparently Paul was able to get through to some of them because now he's writing a letter to them in the Christian church. Okay. Uh, the end of uh, verse 18 again, because of the blindness of their heart or either hardness of their heart, verse 19, who being past, uh, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness, with greediness, we are talking about the, the Gentiles who refuse to accept the gospel. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. Some of them were still in the church. Okay. That's why Paul is switching now to correction and talking about the behaviors. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Christ. The truth isn't in anyone else. It's in Christ. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man who grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
being renewed by the word of God in the spirit of your mind, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, your new spirit, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, putting away lying, they were lying to each other. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Right here, God is telling us we can be angry, but we shouldn't bust our neighbor in the head. That's what a sinful part coming at. Because anger is a natural human emotion and we are in this flesh. But you still shouldn't attack your neighbor. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't go to sleep angry. Forgiveness has to be in there somewhere. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. When you stay angry, you're going to give place to the devil to put those thoughts in your head to go and seek revenge on someone. That's how the devil can get in. Don't let the, the, the sun go down on your anger. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. They had thieves in the church, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Didn't I tell you that's what the collections were for? Given to those in need in the church. How, how many of you are hearing that today in your church? How many of you are being told this is what the collection is for? I know you're not being told that. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit of God is in us. When we start feeling convicted about something we do or say, that's the Holy Spirit being grieved. Okay. Uh, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I mean, yeah, with all malice. That's the way it's written here. But without malice is what it means. Because malice is, is those who are intending to hurt someone on purpose. 32. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Oh, yes. Chapter four, you need to read that again by yourself. And now let's go to chapter five and beginning at verse one. Beginning at verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Verse two. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Now we all know that God purchased us with the blood of his son, Jesus, a sweet smelling aroma. It parallels the, the figure of the Old Testament sacrifices offered in worship. You can also read second Corinthians chapter two, verse 15 and 16 concerning one's witness and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16 concerning one's worship. Let's go to verse three. Now, I already mentioned that Ephesians, when we get to the to get to the latter part, it was going to make people feel uncomfortable. But I, I am not going to sugarcoat the word of God. I'm going to give you Bible truth. And verse three says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, greediness, let it not even be named among you as, as is fitting for saints. We should not be involved in fornication, whether it's idolatry or whether it is 
sleeping or having sexual relations with someone we are not married to. We all have done it in the past, but once we are in Christ, we have died to those sins. Okay, verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now, I'm trying to slow down <laughs> for you guys so I won't zoom past and you misunderstand me. Verse 5. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covet, uh, covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, let me explain what this means, because we are saved by grace through faith. Uh, grace is God's unearned favor, meaning, meaning we can't do anything to satisfy God enough to save us outside of us accepting Christ. So why is this here? What Paul is saying is, if you died to your sins, why are you still living like this? So this is an indication, if you are practicing this, that you never accepted Christ, that you never were born again, that you never received that new cre creation or, or that new created spirit within your soul. You never re re received it. So that's what Paul is saying. We are not saved if we put away these things. We are saved um, these things we don't do if we are saved. That's what Paul is telling the Ephesians. And Paul is our apostle. We are Gentiles. And he also preached the gospel to some Jews. Y'all saw what happened to him when he preached the gospel to the Jews. He got beaten. The Jews are some evil people. The ones who haven't accepted Christ. They are some evil people. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. This is the qualifier here. Let no one deceive you. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. We shouldn't even be friends or hang out with people like this. Now, you can work with anyone. Okay, we can work with anyone. But as far as us hanging out with them on a regular basis, we are not to do that. Because you know what? You will get right back in tune with your flesh. And start doing those same, th same things that your worldly and earthly friends are doing. We are supposed to be separated from them. Okay, verse 8. For you were once darkness. Remember, I just said that. We used to do this. All of those things are considered to be darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Because y'all know John, in 1 John, it tells us. That if we are walking in darkness and not in the light, don't deceive ourselves. And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, if we are walking in darkness, we don't know God. Because in him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. And you see, light exposes what, what's done in darkness. Now, the spiritual side of that is, if you are walking in the light and, and walking in a fruit of the spirit, which is walking in love to sum it all up in one word walking in love and walking in holiness it exposes what the people in the dark do because you're not doing it okay and we should be getting to that verse 9 for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth verse 10 finding out what is acceptable to the lord we need to know what the lord's will is the Lord's will is for us to walk in the fruit of the spirit. 
The fruit of the spirit is works of the spirit. Walking in, and, and Paul is going to explain this even more, walking in goodness and righteousness and truth. And verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And I just talked about that. Rather, we need to expose them. But what you now, let me tell you, it is not our responsibility to judge an unsaved person. God is going to do that. But Christians need to uh, we look, we I know it's hard. I'm trying, I'm trying to say this as, as, as best I can to not offend, but if you happen to be offended, so be it. But what we need to do is encourage one another to walk holy, to walk in the fruit of the spirit. And, and Paul already warned us about the trickery of men, the doctrine of men. And if we go right back, cause I want y'all to get this. Uh, Paul says in verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of, of disobedience. Now, we are not saved so that we can be a successful sinner. No, uh-uh. Because once we were baptized uh, in water, which is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when we come up out of that water, we're supposed to come up a new person. Meaning we're supposed to leave those sins down there. That's what we're supposed to do. We all once did it. But now we have a new nature. We don't have to walk in sin. No, we have a new nature. We can walk holy now. We can walk in the fruit of the spirit. Um, verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Them who? The children of darkness. The Gentiles that walk in darkness. Because he's talking to Gentiles. The Ephesians were, were Gentiles that converted over to Christianity. Praise God. Praise God for any soul that's saved. So Paul is reminding them and encouraging them to walk in holiness, to walk in the fruit of the spirit. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. I said that already. You walking in the light expose those things that go on in the darkness. That's how you lose friends. I have a friend that I have been friends with for over 40 years. And we used to talk on a regular basis. Now, now that was when I was just a Christian. But when I became a minister of the gospel, when I was called to the ministry to preach and teach, my entire lifestyle changed. I mean, I was cleansed from all kinds of things. And I just didn't want to do them anymore. And I'm like, okay, so that's what cleansing is. As I studied the word, I automatically lost the desire to do those things. Do you know that maybe on my birthday, I may hear from that friend. And this is someone I've been friends with for 40 years. Because I'm walking in light and they still walking in, in darkness. And has the potential to be a very nice Christian. A good person. Give you the shirt off their back. But I already told you it's not works that, that reconciles you to God. It's Jesus. I don't know what, what people are scared to come to Christ for. Because you are given eternal life through Christ. If, if, if death catches up with you today. And before you catch up with Jesus. Your soul is going to hell. It's going to one of two places. Hell or either in the bosom of Jesus. I'd rather be in the bosom of Jesus. And we are sealed until the day of redemption. That seal is our guarantee that we have eternal life, that we are going to heaven. 
And I, I pray for my friends. I do. Because being nice can't get you into heaven. We can't save ourselves. We can't. Um, I didn't mean to digress right there, but that fit right here. Uh, let's do read verse 13 again. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Arise from the dead. Dead what? Being spiritually dead, meaning spiritually cut off from God. Arise from that death so that Christ can give you light. That's what the light only comes through Christ. And, and look, that's Bible. That's word. That's truth. The light only comes from Christ. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Look. Pay attention to the time. Buy back the time. Because that's what redeem me means purchase. Because the days are evil. Even Jesus Christ said that we are living in, in an, an evil and adulterous generation. That's the times we are living in. We are living in a times where Satan is still the ruler of this world. He is controlling the world system. That's why everything is evil. You can't find a movie without violence in it. Mm-hmm. You can't find a movie without vengeance in it. And yet we root for the good guy who is retaliating against someone. Even law enforcement movies, they all violate the law. They violate human and civil rights. And yet we cheering them on. God is not cheering them on. That's the devil system created to influence you, your way of thinking and I don't want to digress right here, but um, in chapter six, I am because I was getting ready to share what I heard today coming from the pulpit. Uh huh. A lot of false teachers out there. A lot of false teachers. Um, let's go to verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. And if you read, God, uh, Paul starts to share with you what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine. We should not drink to the point where we are drunk. I don't drink any alcohol uh, because it just doesn't mix with, with my spirit. It, it just doesn't. It makes me sick. I don't like the, the effects of alcohol. I don't do drugs. Um, and one of the reasons I don't do alcohol is because I will not take anything that is going to alter the ability for, of me to think for myself. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. And you also know alcohol is also known as spirits. It's not a good spirit. It's evil spirits. And they mention wine here. But, you know, we have hardened liquor today. And, and recreational drugs. We shouldn't be taking any of that because it's not good for your temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why would you put that in your in your system? Now, there is a such thing as, as drinking wine. But to the point where you don't even know where you are. That's what Paul is talking about. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Okay. Uh, now, now let me explain what dissipation is. Uh, living a, a, a descent in, into drunkenness and sexual dispensation or dissipation. I'm sorry. Uh, and I got to correct some things I said in Galatia uh, when I did the episode on Paul's letter to the Galatians law versus grace too. I will do that at the end. It's maybe about three corrections, but, um, sexual dissipation. 
You know, because when you get drunk, you don't know what you're doing. Next thing you know, you've been slept with five or six people. You get pregnant, don't know who the baby's father is. You got an unholy baby. Because let me tell you something. And, and, and look, you can get upset with me all you want, but the word is the word. If you have a baby out of wedlock, that child is not holy. It is not a child of promise. A child of promise is given to a husband and wife. And, and, and that's not what this message is about. But when it fits here and the Holy Spirit tells me to share it, I'll share it. He knows who's going to listen to this message and he knows who needs to hear what. So we need to make sure that we are not not so drunk. We are uh, involved in inappropriate behavior. We've had people get drunk and next thing they know they went and tried to rob a store and now they're in jail for 50 years because they got drunk. The alcohol, if I wasn't drunk, I wouldn't have did it. Well, you chose to drink the alcohol. You have control over alcohol. You have to choose to drink it. You have to pour it in a glass or either you have to take the cap off physically and drink it. You can't blame anyone but yourself. Anyone but yourself. Uh, verse 18 again, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, because the Holy Spirit resides in our heart. And we can just sing psalms and, and hymns unto the Lord. Oh, yes. I'm, and one of my favorite hymns is the blood that Jesus shed for me. It will never lose its power. Oh, yes. Oh, the blood. It will never lose its power. Oh, that song makes me cry. All right. Verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what's going on. Thank God. And we are thanking God even during the bad times because we know what the end result is. We have the victory. Always thank God for everything. When my sister, bless her heart, oh, that's my baby. My baby sister, we have the same birthday. She's always sending me um, pictures or text messages of things that she's doing. Um, she has a good heart. She loves helping people. And she has about three or four businesses that allow her to do that. And the first thing I always text back is praise God. Praise God. You know, he has blessed her to be able to carry out her dreams. And um, she want to pay for me and my older sister to come fly to Michigan so that we can be there for her, uh, the launch of her, her first book. So uh, more about that, but I want to get through this message. But um, we praise God, thank God for everything. Okay, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God, meaning the respect of God. When fear is mentioned, especially in this text, it is talking about respect of God, submitting to one another. See, we can't make it on this earth, not Christians, without one another. If we have to be leery of the non-believers and then be leery of the Christians, you can't even bring your husband around some Christian women. You can't bring your, 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 your friend, your wife around some Christian men. The next thing you know, they in somebody's closet having sex. Everybody not saved, people. Mm -mm. Everybody not saved. And we need to be aware of that. That's why we need to keep encouraging one another. You never support darkness. Never. 
I've had conversations with people where they were talking about, you know, your, your young daughters, put them on birth control early so they won't get pregnant. I said, no, that's so that's from a worldly perspective. A worldly perspective is to put your daughter on birth, on birth control from a Christianity perspective. No, your daughter needs to be taught abstinence. You shouldn't be having sex. You shouldn't have it until you are married. The world's way say you need to find out how someone is in bed first because you married them and then you don't like what it know. But if love is there, you will both enjoy one another. If love is there, there's no love between people who are engaging in sex on, on the first date. How can you love someone you don't know? And because the sex is good, that's driving your relationship. Uh, and next thing you know, because your relationship is just built on sex. When something else happens, you don't know how to deal with it. The love ain't there. Next thing you know, y'all going on to the next person. That's worldly people. They can do whatever they want. They are already spiritually dead. They are already going to hell. But Christians should not be involved in sexual immorality. We all have been there, but we all have been cleansed. We all have been delivered. Okay, and I don't want to stay on that too much longer. Now we're getting ready to talk about marriage. Twenty-two, Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Pay attention, close attention. It says submit to your own husbands. But this is really talking about respect. Now, 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 stay with me now. There's more to this. Verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife. This is the positions in the household where the husband is the provider and the husband is the protector. The husband, but, but listen, listen. As also Christ is head of the church and, and he is the savior of the body. The husband is not the savior of the wife's body because only Jesus can save you. Right here is talking about the husband is the protector of the, of the family, not just the wife, his wife and his family, his children. And he is supposed to be the financial, the financial provider. Okay. And, and look now, head of the uh, wife as, as also Christ is head of the church. Now, this is talking about position, okay? Now, it gets deeper because there's a lot of things floating out there about sub being submissive to your husband. It does not mean that you are to do everything your husband tell you to do. If your husband tell you to do something outside of God's word, you should not follow that. Your husband is not your savior. He is your protector. He is the provider for the family. And wait, let's, let's, let's go here. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject, subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. They are not supposed to be uh, respectful or uh, submissive to, to anyone else's husband. And nobody else's husband should be trying to go after nobody else's wife. And you notice they said wife, not wives. This is singular. No, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ don't play that. You don't have more than one husband and you don't have more than one wife. Uh, but it gets even more detailed. 25 husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Do you see? This is a special type of love that husbands are being asked to possess, to possess. Christ died for the church. You understand me? Christ took care of the church. Christ provided for the church. Christ put the church first. 
Husbands, put your wives first. Your wives should be put above everything in your life. Do you understand when, 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 when the word of God says for you to love your wives like Christ loved the church? Do you know how much Christ loved the church? Do you know the sacrifice Christ made for the church? And the wife here is, is, is the example of the church being the bride of Christ. Okay, because he has to pre present us. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Let's read this scripture. Let me let you let me let it unfold in scripture. Verse 25 again, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her like Christ cleansed the church. Sanctify means set aside. That's what sanctify means. You need to set your wife aside, honey, and put her first and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, sharing joyful words with her, having respectful conversations with her, edifying conversations with her, telling her how beautiful she is, telling her that you appreciate the way she takes care of you and the children, that she is beautiful. Christ never once abused the church. He never once disrespected the church. That's the way husbands are supposed to treat their wives. Here it is in black and white. Not abuse your wife and anyone under the sound of my voice uh, who pro profess to be a Christian and your husband too. And he is not treating you like this. My suggestion and advice to you is to leave that man. Leave him because you he is completely out of the will of God. You are not supposed to be submissive to your husband unless he is in the will of God. You will never find in here where Christ was abusive to the church. Say husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. You need to find out how Christ loved the church. We know he went to Calvary. We know he, he suffered some ab ab abuse that not, none of us could have endured. We'd have been dead after the first strike. Oh, yes. Verse 27. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. See, this is representing Christ. Because we are, the body of Christ is the wife for Christ. So that he can bring his wife to the father. During that day, in the end time now, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Mm -hmm. We are holy and without blemish because of the Lord. Make sure your wife is holy without blemish because of you. Okay. Verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own body or his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. He nourished the church. He cherished the church. When you love something, you take good care of it. You guys know it. When you love something, you take great care of it. Not good. Great. Verse 30, for we are members of his body. We, the body of Christ. Of his flesh and of his bone. Verse 31. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother. And be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Y'all are one. Y'all are one flesh. Together. No one should be able to pull y'all apart. No wife and husband should have any secrets. Mm -mm. Any secrets. 
You need to be comfortable talking to your husband about anything. And husbands need to be comfortable talking to their wives about anything. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about Christ and the church. The husband and wife is supposed to be uh, so much in love, just like Christ and the church is. Church and the body of Christ. However God, Christ treated the church, the body of Christ, that's how husbands are supposed to treat their wives. No abuse is attached to it. No harmful words are attached to it. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now they had some issues before we go into chapter 6. In the Ephesian church, wives were not respecting their husbands. Husbands were not loving their wives like they are supposed to and putting her first. You have to remember, the apostle Paul was not pulling this stuff out of his pocket. He was sharing information with these different churches like he did in Galatia based on the issues they were having. He didn't just pull this out the pocket and just start talking about this. What prompted the letter was letters of correction, letters of encouragement, letters of unity, Jews and Greek Christians are supposed to be together as one, one faith, one Lord, one God, one baptism. And I want to remind you again, somebody asked you, what faith are you? You asked them, well, what faith are you talking about? Because the Bible says we only have one. So the question is, what faith are you in? My faith is in Christ, the hope of glory. That's how you respond to that. Now let's um, go into this last chapter, chapter six, and this is going to, going to be sensitive too, but I'm going to break it down and rightly divide the scriptures. Children, verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse two, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Because in the Old Testament, <coughs> the laws of Moses were given, and it talked about children honoring their mother and father, and their days upon the earth shall be long. That's why a lot of these young kids out here getting killed in the street. How can God take this baby? God didn't take that baby. Satan took him. He was a, when you out there living for Satan, Satan want to get you before you find Jesus. Uh-huh. He'll take your 10-year-old, your 5-year-old, your 2-month-old. He'll take all of that if you allow him to. Now, now listen. Verse 2 again, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Verse 3, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Don't mistreat your children to the point where your child, look, retaliate against you. Don't provoke them to wrath. Um, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Not the way you want to train them. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And in another um, version, it says in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But nevertheless, you bring them up in, in, in the training of the Lord. There's no way on earth you should have your child and not tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Not tell them about salvation. And I saw a... Uh, I forgot what show it was, but it was a reality reality show. It was live. And the lady was talking about her and her husband having uh, their first child. And, and she was talking about, yeah, I've been studying all these different religions because what I'm going to do is um, present these different religions to my child and let them choose whatever religion they want. Now, this lady have been misinformed. 
sending her child to hell with a first class ticket. There is no salvation in any other outside of Jesus. There is none. And because of all these false teachings, that's where all these different religions are popping up. Paul said, don't be deceived. Uh-uh. Don't be deceived. And don't follow a man with all his tricks. Man have all these different doctrines, which is in all these different denominations. Don't follow that. If you want to compare something to the truth, go to this word. If you are feeling uncomfortable with what your pastor or teacher, even a Sunday school teacher, is teaching from the pulpit, if it doesn't set well with you, you better go to that word and see if what they are saying is true. And if it's true, you need to receive it. Because sometimes that's your flesh rejecting it. Your flesh want to reject the truth. But your heart wants to receive it. Our flesh is always in a battle with our spirit. Always. And we got to live with these two while we are here. Because <laughs> once we leave here, the flesh is, is going to go back to dust in your grave. And our spirit man going to, to be in the bosom of Jesus and live forever. Live forever. Verse 5. Bond servants. Now, in the ESV and the NIV, and uh, it says slaves. Now, we all know, this is sensitive here, that we had slaves back in the day. Now, this was, this was written over 2,000 years ago. But listen to how God says for uh, slaves and their slave masters, which in today's time is employee and employer, okay, if they are Christians, because he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to non-Christians. None of Paul's letters, none of the apostles letters that were written to churches is for non-believers. It's for believers only. Okay. Bond service, uh, servants, which represent slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, according to the flesh, not the spirit, according to the flesh, meaning you need to do what is asked of you. If it's within reason, because listen to this with fear and trembling, meaning respect and trembling. In sincerity of heart as to Christ. What you're doing is keeping the peace and doing what is asked of you so that you can be, be in obedience to Christ. Verse six, uh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, from the heart. Verse seven, with goodwill doing service as the Lord and not to men. When we do something for someone, we should be doing it for the Lord. Meaning you need to be the best employee. If you're a Christian, you need to be the best employee in the department. Uh, verse 7, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive, receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Whatever good you do, God is going to repay you anyway. Whether you are a slave or free. Now, you know, we don't have slaves in the United States. Well, really, you, we don't own human beings. There's a difference between providing a service and being a slave. Providing a service is working for someone. And being a slave is being owned by another human being. We don't own human beings in America and in a lot of other nations. But they still have slave trade going on in the world. But it's not in America. So we're talking about um, employers and employees. Okay. Verse nine and you masters, employers do the same things to them, giving up threatening. You shouldn't be threatening no employees knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Praise the Lord in black and white in black and white. 
God has no partiality to those who are in Christ. He treats them the same. If you are the leader, the supervisor, the manager, the director, the VP, the CEO, and you profess to be a Christian, because I don't know anyone that don't go to some type of church, no matter what denomination it is. So when you leave there, you mean to tell me you're not a Christian? No, you're supposed to treat the wage earner with respect. That's what you are supposed to do. Uh, verse 10, finally, my brother, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles meaning darts. Against the darts of the devil because he throw them at us, I tell you. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against the age, I mean the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places or either high places. That's what we're dealing with in the White House, spiritual wickedness in high places. So what we are saying, what this is saying is we don't wrestle with people. That's not who our fight is against. Our fight is with the devil. He has control and he rules this world. Because remember, Jesus said, look, I have to go because the ruler of this world is coming or either the prince of this world is coming, depending on which version you have. And he has no place in me. Uh huh. Yeah, he has no place in me. So the devil is the ruler of this world. That's why this world is so evil. I mean, evil. So we need to play. We have to be, be careful. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And that's his word. That's his word. We can only fight the devil with the word of God. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, meaning it doesn't matter if you haven't done all to stand, continue to stand, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's about us being peaceful. We don't fight fire with fire. If you fight fire with fire, it's going to burn and take a lot of stuff with it. No, we are supposed to be opposite from darkness. Remember, we cannot disregard the rest of the letter. We have to incorporate this entire letter. What Paul is saying, uh, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Our faith is our shield. That's our protector. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you ain't protected. Because you got to remember, our fight is against the devil, not people. When we shoot the word of God at Satan, he flees. Satan ain't afraid of your words. He's afraid of God's word, which is why I decided that we need to tour entire letters and books. This is not the Bible is not a fairy tale. It is not full of fictional characters. These are real people, real events. Paul is writing a real letter to churches. He set up in Ephesus, in Galatia, in Colossae, in Corinth. Okay, these apostles really exist. Nobody really is doubting that. Say, <laughs> but Satan is very tricky. He'll make you think, okay, it's another way to get to God. We, you, that's Jesus over there. But look, here's an easier way. There's nothing easier than saved by grace. Nothing easier than saved by grace. And remember, if you don't know the word of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that is the only way faith comes. 
then you can't protect yourself because the Bible says that and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, verse 18. No, 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 that was 16. Let's go back to 16. I wanted to repeat that above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It didn't say might be able to quench. It said, which you will be able to quench, but you got to know that word. You are receiving the word now. Mm -hmm. You are receiving the word now. Don't reject it. See the day you hear his word, harden not your heart. Don't be like some of the, the Gentiles where your heart is hard and you just rejected the word and the truth of uh, verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is how we fight the devil. That's what kills him. That's what defeats him. The word of God is Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah. The word of God is Jesus. Uh, uh, the faith is when the devil throws stuff at you, you supposed to stand on the word of God. That's how you are protected. But then if you want to fight back, you throw the word of God at him. You throw Jesus at him. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, devil. You get your hands off of my child. My child have been in prison long enough. My child learned his lesson. You take your hands off of him in the name of Jesus. My son will be free. And you watch how God worked that out to where your son is released from prison. Your daughter is released from prison. Your husband or wife is released from prison. You watch that. You got to throw the word of God at him. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. For all the saints, people, verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me. Paul is saying we need to pray for him as well. We can't just pray for one another. We need to pray for leaders. Pray for me. I'm asking you to do that. Pray for me that I may continue to teach the word without stumbling, without sugarcoating and, and, and that I may preach it boldly. Listen to what Paul says, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. That's the mystery of the gospel. The playing field has been leveled to where anybody can come to Christ and be saved by his grace. That's the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, an ambassador for Christ in chains. Yes, he is enslaved to Christ that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verse 21, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. Verse 22, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. See, you need that leader to comfort you in, in the times, uh, in, in tough times. Okay. Such as these, God has your back. Verse 23, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God, the father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. That's the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, not Galatians. I'm sorry. That was an episode before this one um, to the Ephesians. Um, he taught them about growing in godliness, growing, you know, means learning to live a life that honors God and follows the example of Christ. You know, live in such a way that your life will be a, a fragrant offering, 
pleasing to the Lord. Um, Paul talked about husbands and wives and how the, the family structure should be. And he talked about unity, um, the laws, the enmity was the law. It was broken down so that Gentiles and Jews can come together as one in Christ. He talked about in, us encouraging one another, uh, walking in the fruit of the spirit. And I appreciate every word that God shares with me so that I can share with you. Now, let me um, make some minor corrections from Galatians, the last episode last Sunday, which was the letter to the Galatians uh, law versus grace. Now, remember when I said the, the Judaizers had entered the church at Galatia, but it was Judaizers. I don't know where I got Judaizers from. I don't know what I was looking at. I didn't realize I said it and I said it more than once um, until I played the episode back. And I'm like, what Judaizers? Well, who's Judaizers? It's Judaizers. Okay. You, <laughs> they were keeping the law, uh, practicing Judaism. Um, and I said, uh, Romans, when I talked about that, um, no one in Christ is condemned. You know, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. No, they're not. We are under grace. The law judges and condemns, but grace forgives and saves. Okay. I said, go to Romans chapter one, verse eight, but I meant to say Romans chapter eight, verse one. Now, those of you who went to those scriptures should have caught it. If it wasn't, um, Chapter one, verse eight, you just flip it over, go, go to chapter eight, verse one. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And that, uh, that is words of encouragement, saints, encouragement, saints. And then, um, I remember saying Syria, uh, when we were talking about, uh, different places where Paul was, but I meant to say Cilicia, Cilicia. okay, not Syria, Cilicia. Now, I don't know what I was looking at, but C-I-L-I-C-I-A was written and, but when I'm tired, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> I'm liable to say anything, which is why I listened. I didn't listen first when I played the, um, last episode, I just, you know, uploaded it and I'm, guess what? I'm not going to, uh, listen to this one first. I'm going to, cause this one is almost two hours long. So what I'm going to do is just upload it and any corrections I need to make will be in next week's, week's episode where we will be touring the letter. It's four chapters that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Okay. The Philippian church. And so that, um, I want you guys to encourage one another, pray for one another, pray for me, pray for God's leaders, pray for God's ministers. Not all, not all churches are bad. If I've offended someone, I'm sorry, but you uh, cannot grow under false teaching and God doesn't bless false teaching and doesn't bless you if you are sitting under false teaching. So if there, anything I have ever shared with you, I can prove through scripture. Trust me, I can prove through scripture. The worst thing you can do is join a denomination because um, before this year is out, I have a lot of teaching uh, segments coming up, a lot of episodes, and one is involving denominations. I'm going to tell you what the Baptist church preaches and teaches. I'm going to tell you what the Catholic church preaches and teaches. I'm going to tell you what the uh, Lutheran church preaches and teaches. I'm going to tell you about Muslims who are so far off the map, you know, till it's not funny. But um, it's necessary. That's what my ministry is about. My ministry is about evangelism, telling you about salvation, 
There is no salvation in any other name, in anyone else other than Christ. Don't let no one deceive you. Please don't let no one deceive you. And until next week, I want you guys to continue to practice physical distancing because that's what social distancing is, physical distancing. I want you to continue to wear a mask um, when you are out in public. And I want you to continue to support one another, pray for one another. If you have the means to help a sister and brother, you need to do it. Your sister and brother in Christ. And if you have unsaved family members, you share Christ with them. And if they don't receive it, at least you planted that seed. Okay. You can't force Christ on anyone. Christ didn't force himself on anyone. You know what Christ did. He walked away from people. He told them the word of God and kept walking. We are also in the near future going to tour uh, some books of the Old Testament. And for those of you who, who don't know, because I had someone ask, I can share now because I'm quite sure they are listening to this episode or going to listen to it. Um, the Bible was not a book. The Bi letters, as you can see, letters Paul wrote to the churches that he set up were put in book form, um, as well as uh, Moses wrote Genesis. Okay. Moses, who was a prophet, a powerful prophet, uh, wrote Genesis and, and, and the books of the law, you know, Deuteronomy and Exodus and all that. But he wrote it on it on stone. It was put on a scroll and it ended up being put in book form. And the prophets that followed Moses, they wrote down what God told them. And let me be clear that which the prophet says that does not come to pass did not come from God. So we have a lot of false prophets out here, a lot of false prophets. So if the prophet said something that did not come to pass, they didn't make the Bible. Every prophet that whose writings are in the Bible is in there because their prophecy came to pass. It came to pass in the new Testament. So if you're not reading the new Testament, the new Testament is the blood bought covenant of Jesus. You ain't saved. You can't be saved under the old Testament. I remember a bunch of Baptist preachers on television made a comment. Uh, uh, yeah, you can be saved under the, uh, new Testament alone, but you still need the old Testament. And I say this old man sending people to hell in his church. You don't need the old, you don't even have to know anything about the old Testament other than the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Messiah. Salvation is under the new Testament. It is not under the old Testament. And I have already shown you, see, this is what happens when, when people are not being taught by the Holy Spirit, not filled with the Holy Spirit, and trying to read this Bible with a carnal mind. You will miss it every time. Every time. I thank God, and, and I'm not arrogant about it. I thank God for revelation of these scriptures, because at one point I didn't know them. Oh, no, I didn't know them. I've been walking with God now for over 25 years. So uh, arrogance left me long time ago. But I am proud that God and, and I am honored that God chose me to be one of his teachers, a gift in the church. Teach and evangelize. Absolutely. So until next time, saints, take care of one another. Peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, 
Google Podcasts, and Radio Public and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.